T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Wow, Audrey, it's Wednesday night. I love Wednesdays. We bring the smartest people on the Tech Vibe Radio. And tonight's show, I think, is going to be really, really cool because we're doing a double deep dive. You know me, my double deep dives. I like double stuff Oreos, and I like double deep dives on Tech Vibe Radio. All right. I don't want to talk about Oreos, but... I might be a little crazy from this whole working at home thing, but uh, working at home, we're still bringing everybody Tech Vibe Radio via Zoom right now. And uh, we're having Lisa Slayton stop by tonight for a double deep dive. Can you talk a little bit about Lisa? Because I know you know Lisa. Well, now Lisa, Lisa has had many, many years in uh, nonprofit leadership right. and private sector work. And she has found, you know, this time in her life for her to work on uh, real leadership issues in terms of complexity and coaching. But that probably oversimplifies what the work that she does. But what's so fascinating is in this time of potentially a deep recession and, and the COVID pandemic is that everyone's, you know, finding themselves in trying to understand what the new world is. And Lisa brings a lot of solid guidance in terms of chaos, in terms of shifts, in terms of values. And we're, we're going to talk to her about it. And, you know, the time that we're with her probably won't be enough but it at least be enough for people to understand that we as leaders and people who are running companies, we we're in this time of uh, we're all startups again. We're all starting up and trying to figure out how, how to take our organizations or companies to the next level with, you know, one out of every five people perhaps being out of work. And I don't even really know what the numbers are, uh, you know, in Pittsburgh, in Pittsburgh alone, we're looking at unemployment rates that are unprecedented. So it's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's an incredibly tough time, but um, I like to think that through this time of darkness, there comes some of the most profound innovation, exactly. hopefully not at the extent of humankind. <laughs> Don't say that. Yeah. yeah. Not at the extent of losing people and, and people being sick and, people being paranoid about coming back to work and, and what does safety mean? Kinds of things that, you know, I don't think in my lifetime and I've been leading people for a long time Absolutely. and uh, I don't think I've ever wrestled with the issues around safety and, you know, you know, long live the, the legacy of Paul O'Neill who passed away. I was going to bring that up because I know he's, Paul was such an impact on you. Well, and, just I mean, on so many people, right. Yeah, and just in course. terms of safety and, 
wow, we really could have used his advice right now as we think about safety. I thought about that, yeah, for sure. He, you know, so safety that people are thinking about now in terms of safety, it's just, do we have at our office um, antimicrobacterial um, uh, place for people to eat their lunch? Nope. We have, um, what do they call nitrile gloves? that um, are at everyone's disposal to make sure we can't share a coffee pot anymore. What Dude, happens when I put my lunch in the refrigerator? No more coffee machine. I know. No coffee machine. You can't punch those. What about the elevator? You know, when you press in the elevator, what about opening doors? What about our, our own cubes aren't six feet apart? Right. Um, you're lucky because we have you. Oh, I got, I, it's been so long since I've been in the office, Audrey. I got my own bump out. Yeah. Yeah, you got your own man cave. I'm gonna have a COVID-free zone going on in there. Yeah, you can like, put, like you know, hang beads, and no one will ever come in and talk. To I you. want a garage door, actually. Can I get a garage door? <laughs> yeah, you get hanging beads. That way, people you know, have to make themselves. And then be, thought of now that there's apps. I'm putting a sneeze guard around my desk too. I don't want anyone sneezing on my desk. <laughs> about it. There's going to be apps on your phone that will tell you when someone's feet um you know violated the six feet distance from you and so you'll get a beat beat, beat. that person's standing too close to you i think it goes electric well i don't think we'll go there but it's just in in all seriousness these are things that we have to be you know concerned about what about do we have cross ventilation in our offices? Do yep, windows no. open so that we can let the air in? What about the issues around, you know, HVAC systems and making sure, you know, that those filters are changed and that they're they're clean and you know, you can go on and on and on. And these are the kinds of things that many of us who are running companies or organizations have not thought, have absolutely not thought about and embraced. And I like to think of myself as someone who cares about safety. I know. And, and oh, essentially, I do. I've always been, but I haven't been about safety when it comes to these, to this level. Right. You know, when people are sick, I say, please go home. You know, you don't belong here. Go wash your hands, go home. But I don't, now the thought of taking someone's temperature yeah. and what do I do with that data when I take that temperature? What do I take your temperature all day long? What are, what are the protocols? Um, how do I make sure that um, everyone's safe that way? So, you know, it's, you have to take a deep sigh. I think the good news is, is that many of us are talking about this out loud. And um, it'll be interesting to talk to Lisa because she does have this whole um, belief about, you know, having to take care of the whole being of people. And I thought before we were taking care of the whole being of people, but now when you're working at home, yeah. if you have children and they're not in school and then you're trying to work and your kids are home and particularly if they're under like the age of 13, really difficult to oh. try to juggle the workforce. You know, we're listening to people who say that they might bring people back in in shifts. So Jonathan, you may work the night shift. I want the night shift. I, that way I can, I can sing that song on the night shift. <laughs> and then you can ride your bike at 7 a.m. in the morning when you come off your night shift. I'm into it, man. Let's go. I'm, I can't wait to get back to work now. <laughs> you mean you haven't been working? All this time you've been at home, you haven't been working? Kidding me? Works for suckers, dude. 
I'm just been maxing and relaxing. What can I say? <laughs> no, I've been working. Come on, man. Well, I got some great news, Audrey. Some really okay. great. News. What's your good news? You know what? This past week, a bunch of Pittsburgh IT staffing firms came together under the leadership. Oh yeah. Staffing and Raider Landry. They raised yes. seventy-eight thousand dollars for the food bank. That buys five hundred and ninety thousand meals. Does it? Yes, because $1 gets leveraged like crazy to provide meals for people. I was so pumped about that. How cool. Wow, so the owners of the companies yes. put, that, put their cash they and did. said they were, that's, that's pretty bold. So you know that the food bank, the Greater Pittsburgh Food Bank, who we've interviewed on our, da- one, on our mm-hmm. daily Zoom, we had Lisa Scales. They provide food for over 500 subsidiaries in yep. different locales I know. so that that food can actually get out into the communities. Yep. So that long line that we saw when we were on national news of people waiting in food lines, that's in addition to the distribution centers. I know. I know. It's just mm-hmm. it absolutely busts me up, Audrey, but I'm just so, I'm just so proud of our tech community to step yeah. up that kind of money. I mean, we raised $300,000 for the laptop initiative, $70,000 for this. Like, so there's some really good things that are coming out of this. There are, there are a lot of caring people. And it's going to be crazy, but I'm so glad we have Lisa Slayton on the show tonight to give us some direction. Audrey, we also have our friends from five star stopping by to talk about robotic process automation. They've been around for 23 years. years. So there's a lot of good stuff going on. That's for sure. So. Good, good, good. Hey, we're taking a break. We got a ton more, as we said, coming away. And Audrey's dog's even barking in. We love that because we're all recording from home. All good stuff, Audrey. This is Jonathan Kirsting. And this is Audrey Russo with the dog barking. That's Whitney back there barking, I think. Go to pghtech.org and learn a whole bunch more. We'll be right back with you. So happy to be hanging out with you, Audrey, tonight on Tech Vibe Radio. This is Jonathan Kirsting. And this is Audrey Russo. Audrey, we have someone who's been in Pittsburgh's tech sector for quite a long time. Oh, don't make him sound old. He's not old. Not about being old. It's about being wise and smart and having a pretty cool company. (laughs) Simple as that. That's all I can say. Absolutely. Absolutely. So who's in the house today that founded Five Star? So uh, hi, Audrey and Jonathan. This is uh, Lou Camerlingo, and I'm the president and co-founder of Five Star. And I would have to say it is more about being old. Uh, yeah, I, I covered for you. Yeah, it's okay. I don't, I don't mind. It, it's inevitable, so it doesn't uh, it does bother you. And uh, Alex Gindin, our, our VP of uh, operations, is is also uh, on the line with us today. So give us just give us an overview. Twenty three years, and you've been doing what? Give us your elevator pitch. Quick pitch. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So um, Five Star is a custom software and web consulting, design, and development firm. Um, And what that means is typically our clients are managing workflow and processes with a mix of software and web applications that are typically not fully integrated, and it's often a combination of products and legacy systems. So what we can do is go in and kind of evaluate what they have uh, against what they want to accomplish, and then we can recommend solutions that marries their existing technology with new development. And that often entails helping them centralize workflow, 
optimizing processes, enabling better decision-making through data. And we have two different types of clients. So we have traditional corporate clients that we're primarily developing internally facing applications. Like right now, we're working with a client and developing a custom learning management system. We're doing some robotics process automation work. We're developing an asset management database for one of our clients. And then the other sector is workforce development. So we're typically working with consortiums of community colleges developing applications that help connect low and mid-skill workers in transition to new education, training, and apprenticeship opportunities that lead to uh, careers in high-demand occupations. So, you know, it's a pretty wide range of things as a custom shop. I mean, we, we like that. I mean, it's, you know, there's always something kind of new and different on the table. And, you know, that's, it kind of keeps us always thinking differently. You know, the, the team likes that because there's always something kind of new um, coming down the pike. But most of the relationships we have, we have for a long time, which is good. So we really get to know our clients and then build upon that with new projects. So when you started this 23 years ago, do you think 23 years later you'd still be doing this? Was that like your plan or is just all of a sudden it's like 23 years later and like, wow, still kicking butt here in Pittsburgh. No, I was supposed to be living on the beach by now, John. Oh, man. <laughs> so, I, I mean, we, we actually, we, we did have, we did have an exit plan. Uh, but, um, you know, we're just, you know, it's still working for us. I mean, we enjoy yeah, it. Right? It's, it's new. I mean, we always talk about built to evolve. You know, when we started the company, we were mostly focusing on developing interactive training programs. And, you know, that was back in the late 90s. People started asking us to develop software. And now that's really completely what we do. So there's always something kind of new and different. So as long as we're still having fun and it's interesting, I mean, we really, we're just, we're just plugging along. Well, you also are major contributors to what's happening in sort of the, I don't want to use the word nonprofit because that's just an IRS status, but in the community in terms of things that sort of matter just to move the community forward. So you've always had a hand in that. And uh, it's obviously had to have an impact in terms of your your company. Yeah, I mean, we, I mean, I I appreciate you saying that. Um, You know, we've always, you know, our focus has always been the employees, our customers, our partners in the community should always be treated pretty much the same way. So we've always been involved in community-related activities. I mean, I, I do a lot of that my own because it's almost like a hobby for me. You know, I, I don't golf. My wife has a great career. My kids are grown, you know. So 10 years ago, I wasn't as involved as I am now, you know, particularly with Alex on board. I mean, it definitely gives us the opportunity. But you know, our, our team wants to be involved too. So, you know, it's, you know, people want to be engaged kind of on the ground um, in the community. So again, we, we enjoy it. It's important. As you know, there's a lot of need to do that. So we're just happy to be involved and contribute however we can. Very cool. So so Alex, let's jump to you, Alex, and talk about um, process automation. Talk about some of that, that work that you're doing and you know what people need to know about your capabilities and some interesting things that you've worked on sure so i you know by virtue of i think a lot of different types of technologies that we've built and we've built a lot of 
I would say complex type of technology for, uh, you know, different types of clients across a lot of different types of sectors. But by virtue of building that technology and kind of focusing on how we shift uh, complexity away from end users who don't necessarily have, you know, significant kind of technical expertise and abilities to, you know, keep these processes running. um, You know, we've built a lot of custom technology that, um, does just that, right? I mean, it, it, it really creates the ability for sustainability, the ability for scalability. And at some point when we started looking at, you know, what can we kind of take from the lots and lots and lots and lots of technology that we've built over the course of the last, you know, decade or so, you know, what are some patterns? What are some like really innovative types of technologies that we can extract from that? And how can we apply that to other projects that we're working on? We started really entering the world of, um, RPA uh, or robotic process automation um, and that's a landscape that you know there's a lot of um, I think organizations uh, either using or or creating um, you know what we'll call bots uh, that are you know easily kind of developed into the workflow and plugged into the workflow um, that achieve uh, you know very specific types of outcomes for for um, organizations within that process right so if we have invoicing or we have um, you know, uh, other types of kind of tasks that are fairly repetitive um, and stream or, you know, and, and, and part of our kind of continuous workflow that we're spending a lot of time um, from our employees and our resources, um, you know, working through. This is, you know, these is, this is where these bots kind of come in. What we found is that, you know, when you look at workflows at a greater scale, especially for, you know, organizations in the financial sector and healthcare and manufacturing, some of these processes are not so um, straightforward or simple and definitely as the environment around those processes changes um, you know those technologies or those bots or that that rpa has to be uh, um, you know it has to be updated it has to be um, future proof and kind of environment proof and that's where we found a good niche is is creating that custom technology for that space um, where the environment changes but the process has to continue to kind of evolve um, and move forward. So, but you guys, you guys can work with um, any size company, right? So, so what's mm-hmm. your sweet spot? If people are listening, what's your sweet spot in terms of type of company or size or kind of product? Is there anything or, or yeah, does so it depend? We have really worked across almost every industry sector, but um, you know, that, you know, if you want to talk kind of about a sweet spot, it's it's typically, um, you know, kind of a, a mid-size mature company um, that has a lot of existing processes and systems in place. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're either starting to grow rapidly kind of out of those systems, or in most cases, those systems are starting to get a little wear and tear. And they're looking at what kind of that next generation technology would be. Um, you know, if there's products out there that can do that, that that's not really where we play and that's fine. But we often find it is some level of combination that, you know, there's some sort of product solution that's working well, but they need really some level of custom development to kind of tie it all together, or there's even a better value of developing something that they own. So that's typically what that framework is. You know, they're in some level of transition and the technology is really at the point where they need a level of kind of upgrade and overhaul 
Um, and that's typically where we come in. So this is five-star development. We've had a chance to talk to you. You have, um, you know, been around for 23 years. You Love pivoted, that. You've pivoted, you know, a couple of times and you're still on a strong trajectory. And so despite everything that's happening in our environment right now with COVID-19 and sheltering in place, um, we're proud of you. It sounds like you are just, you know, continuing to forge ahead. Being good citizens as well as, um, you know, keeping people working on meaningful things. So thank you. Thank you for being with us today. This is Audrey Russo. And Jonathan Kirsting. And what's your website, guys? Real fast, make sure anyone wants to check you guys out. It's uh, fivestardev.com and five is spelled out. Fantastic stuff. Thanks for hanging out with us. We're taking a break. We'll be right back after this quick, quick, quick message. Learn more at pghtech.org. Oh, my goodness, Audrey. As always, super pumped up to be in the virtual Tech Vibe studio via Zoom because we're having conversations. I don't care what people say. Social distancing damned. We make it happen remotely. That's what we're doing. And I'm really excited, Audrey. I know you've been working for a while to get Lisa Slayton on the show with us today. She's worked with us at the Tech Council on a couple projects, and her skill set is just deep. And she has some awesome, awesome insights about how companies are reacting to the whole COVID, the new workplaces, just how you manage through all this. There's just so much we're going to cover tonight. That's what we're doing a double deep dive. Right. So I have like an echo machine. It would echo and go deep, deep, deep dive, 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 dive like that. So <laughs> Lisa Slayton is with us. And and this will this will be more serious. I would yeah. say this is a more serious this is, this is good stuff. conversation and, and just to lay it up to say that it's really a, it's always about people. It's not necessarily mm-hmm. about organizations. And even though all of us get in the trappings of our own company, I think what you'll hear from Lisa will unpack at least just a tiny bit of some of her work and some of her hypotheses. So I, I really just want to jump in because I think, you know, you won't need to put your seatbelt on, but I do think that there's going to be a lot for all of us to think about and to discern. So welcome, Lisa Slayton. Hey, Audrey. Hey, Jonathan. Good to be with you all. Thank you for being there. And just real quickly, just tell everyone what your business is. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, So I have both a business and a nonprofit leadership background. Um, I've been on the planet for a pretty long time. Uh, And about a year ago, I stepped away from the nonprofit I was leading to start a, a small consulting practice that really focuses on what I call integrating leaders and navigating complexity. So how do I help leaders stay whole in the midst of working through really complex issues in their organizations, Mm -hmm. mostly relational and people oriented, but it can also be strategy and and things like that. Building healthy organizational cultures is a big part of what I think about. So we're going to break our conversation up into two, right? That's how, just because I think it might be simpler not to make anything simpler in terms of the complexity of all of that we're going to talk about. But you, um, you know, you have created your own organization right at the apex of of a pandemic. Exactly. And uh, you're busier than ever, but you have some worries that probably have allowed you to validate some of your hypotheses that you've, you know, ascertained over the last, over your lifetime in terms of work. So we start, we're going to start, let's sort of just start with this current state of new realities. 
Yeah. And why don't you take it from there? Talk about what you see, what you observe, and what your wisdom is in, in terms of that arena. Sure. Yeah. I, um, one of the things I've been thinking about a lot lately is, you know, I, we hear a lot of language coming from leaders and I'm, I coach people across the country. I sit on a couple boards, you know, I'm, I've got a, a bit of a perspective, um, you know, and uh, it, there's this thing of when we return to work or when we return to normal. Um, and I've come to view that as sort of a fictitious lane, right? Like mm. it's not the lane we're going to travel in. Um, and my work and my discipline in organizational development, a lot of it has been around complexity, helping people to understand how to, how to navigate complexity, which as you, you know, indicated has come in real handy <laughs> in the current environment, because what complexity really is when you're working in complex adaptive systems is trying to navigate through the unknown, right? It's, it's, there's a phrase that came out of the military uh, that, that is co-opted, it's an acronym, um, that we're living in a VUCA world. Um, VUCA stands for volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous, right? Um, and it was a way the military made a drastic shift to how they were doing business because traditional you know, war games weren't getting the job done when they started dealing with Al-Qaeda. And I think that's a lot of what we're dealing with now in, in organizational mm. life is the, this kind of complexity um, where you've got to do the planning and, the, and the, the thinking and problem solving, but then you get boots on the ground and conditions are radically unknown. And boy, that never has that been more true than the time we're living in right now. Um, I, I remember hearing uh, shortly after uh, President Trump closed our borders, maybe two or three days later, um, there was an infectious disease specialist, uh, Michael Osterholm is his name, and he's out of the University of Minneapolis. Um, and he's, he wrote a book a couple of years ago that's something like, you know, deadliest war against germs or something like this. He's the coronavirus guru, right? And, um, and he said, you know, he was interviewed immediately. He became, you know, everybody, one of everybody's favorite guests. Um, and he said, he said, this isn't just a blizzard. We're not just hitting it, heading into a blizzard over the next few weeks. We're going to be in a coronavirus winter. Right. And I, and, and what he was communicating was that, you know, yes, there's going to be a rush of activity, but then we're going to go into this longer season and things are not going to just rubber band back to the way we, they were before. We're probably going to have more blizzards and we got to have the right clothing and you've got to be protective. We're in kind of mm. survival mode. And then, you know, others took that analogy or that metaphor and said, okay, maybe we're, we could even be heading into a mini ice age, right? Where um, this is going to have profound implications, both socially and economically, not just in the, the public health space. Um, and to translate that, and I, 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 you know, kind of boil it down, but we are not going back. And I, I think but I want to go back. <laughs> I know, Jonathan, everybody wants to go back, but I think we're not. Um, and so when I hear leaders talk about when we return to work or when we return to normal, I think, yeah, I don't think that's what we're dealing with here. Um, you know, first of all, the reality for most of us, evidenced by what we're doing today, is that uh, remote working and virtualization has been normalized for people, right? Um, and so lots of people are going to say, well, maybe I want a more flexible schedule. Maybe I don't want to physically be in the workplace every day. And so I think in, in organizations and leaders are going to have to rethink how they allow their staff to navigate um, flexible work schedules because there's a lot of advantage. I mean, I'm tired of sitting in my house doing Zoom calls, as I'm sure we all are. 
but there's sure a lot of advantage about not having to get in my car and drive into the city at 7.30 on a Wednesday morning for a meeting, right? Um, and, and so how do we create new patterns and new rhythms for people that still accomplish the workflow that's needed and then, but, but allow them to have more flexibility? Like, I just think that's a new, new reality. And I think people are going to want protected work spaces, right? Absolutely. I'm sure yeah. you're starting to see lots of conversations about, you know, all the, and particularly this would be true in technology world, tons of open work spaces, right? Where people are sitting at big dining room tables together. And I don't think that's going to hold up. So I think they're physically going to have to be changes um, in a lot of workplaces, which means that people may have to work in shifts and do different things so that we don't have the density of people in these in workplaces all at the same time. Um, I think the next, the next new reality is uh, that um, I think, you know, I don't want to be a purveyor of gloom, but I do think we're going into a significant rest, you know, economic pullback. Right. I just think that's inevitable. There's no other way around it at this point. I mean, it, it's the right yeah. the wall. There's going to be at least a year's worth of trying to rebuild this probably longer. You would assume, right? Probably longer. Um, I read, uh, uh, Scott Gottlieb, I don't know if you've tracked him at all, um, but he's the, he was the former commissioner of the FDA. He's also an economist, um, interesting medical doctor and an economist. And he's uh, the author of a report that came out about two weeks ago now out of Johns Hopkins, which is the governor's plan to go back to work, right? How to, you know, all the, all the documentation. He's done a couple other reports as well. Very thoughtful and helpful guy. And his prediction is that we're going to be operating for the next 12, probably 18 to 24 months at an 80% economy, okay, which is a 20% pullback. Yeah, 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 that's scary. Yeah, now just by way of comparison, in the 2008-2009, you know, high to low, not even 5%. So this is huge, right? Whoa, are you serious? Yeah, so now this is all dependent on timing of vaccines and testing and you know, all the antibody. I mean, if it comes sooner, it won't be as dramatic. But if he's right, um, and, you know, then leaders and organizations have to really be thinking about what are we going to do if we're at a 20% less budget? Mm -hmm. If you're a nonprofit, it's probably a 40 or 50% lower budget for next year, Mm -hmm. um, because funders don't have the money to give if the markets are, are pulled back. Um, so I think that's another new reality. And so I don't, I don't, you know, again, I don't want to be a purveyor of gloom, but I don't think we're going to see a big, a fast economic rebound. I think it's going to take some time. Um, the third one is, you know, and this is, uh, you know, we're seeing this play out in lots of ways. I just think this has caused increasing social and political, you know, polarization. People are taking stands around things. Um, and it's not even around politics as much anymore, although certainly there's plenty of that. But, you know, there are arguments now. I mean, the big one that's, that's up is, you know, do we stay at home or do we restart the economy? And I think that's a false dichotomy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are going to be new policies that emerge uh, uh, that are going to have lots of implications, and we don't even know what some of those are yet. So I think workplaces and leaders have to be ready to take that on. And finally, and this might be the biggest one, and we, we'll unpack this a little bit further in a few minutes, I think that we're bringing back people to work who have experienced a kind of what I recently heard described as collective social trauma Hmm. that is not going to go away anytime soon. And so there's anxiety and stress and pressure, whether it's economic pressure or family pressure, that's just going to 
uh, be present for a long time, and that's going to show up in the workplace. So how do we prepare people for that? And I think that's, that's one of the questions that I've been thinking a lot about. And you've been talking to a lot of people as well. I have. So we, I have. It's not just your thinking. You're actually, you know, collecting information through the work that you're doing of people who are leaders who are in crisis. Yeah, absolutely. So good. Well, we've been talking with Lisa Slayton. And um, she is running a consulting company after many, many years of being in business and nonprofit. And she focuses on, on leadership. And this is, it can't be more timely and uh, it can't be more important to the world that we live in. So we appreciate that. We're going to be back. Don't go away. Um, this is Audrey Russo. This is Jonathan Kirsting. So glad to be having this conversation with you, Lisa. This is fantastic stuff. Like I said, we're coming right back with a lot more of Lisa and her great insights on how to manage through all of this. In the meantime, go to pghtech.org to learn more about the Tech Council. We'll be right back after this quick break. As promised, everybody, we are back here on Tech Vibe Radio. This is Jonathan Kirsting. And this is Audrey Russo. Audrey, we are back with Lisa Slayton. I just, man, I wish we had like another hour to hang out with her because she's got such great knowledge. I mean, it's just like she's helping us confront some pretty crazy realities that are going to be coming our way due to this post-COVID world we're heading towards. But man, she's got some great ideas and great strategies. So Lisa, welcome back. I'm glad we're going to talk you a little bit about this conversation. I know it's never enough time, but hopefully it's enough for people to think in a way that's both practical and solemn and uh, provocative as we think about leadership. So before we just were talking about new realities, now I want to talk into shifts. Let's talk about shifts. Sure. And the shifting that you've observed and the shifting that you imagine will occur and what that really means for people who are leading companies. Yeah. Um, There are four that I've observed as I've been talking to leaders and and organizational teams around the country, Um, and this is a fluid situation, so this is going to evolve over time. Um, But the the big one uh, is, uh, the first one is, you know, the moving the mindset from a return to normal or a return to work, um, which has a backward orientation to let's realign to the new world and how do we reimagine what work looks like, including how work is going to flow, what the environment, physical and, and uh, emotional environment is going to be, what are our workplace habits and requirements, how do we reexamine policies in light of the new, uh, the new world that we're going to be stepping into as we slowly hopefully are able to get back into our physical work environments and as businesses are able to start gearing back up again. Um, in some way, shape, or form. So this realignment rather than return, right, has a future orientation. Doesn't mean we abandon everything, but we we bring, you know, we have to examine. Um, the second one, and, and I've, this one's been super interesting to talk to different folks about, um, lots of organizations have what they call guiding principles or core values. Um, and a lot of them are based on a set of assumptions that may or may not still be valid based on what you do and how you do it in your business. And so my challenge to leaders and where I've been working with some of them is really examining those assumptions and going back and, and what I'm describing as regrounding their principles. So from guiding principles to grounded principles, right? In a set of, of new assumptions or new assessments about their business, because they're things that are just simply not going to be present um, in the new, the new world for based on their business strategies and their business purposes. So that's um, interesting. Pause for yeah. a second. Yeah. Sure. That's, that's sort of just a bold statement. Yeah. There's, 
you're saying it's the just the services, goods, or opportunities are not going to be existent. Or the same, right? I mean, you know, if, the, if you look at your, you know, we have assumptions, for example, in a business about who our client is and what they're going right. to want and need, right? And we can't just assume we're going to go back into business as usual. We have to really do the homework to say, okay, how has our client need changed? Um, is, does that client still exist, right? And, yeah. and what are their resources going to be in order to be able to still, you know, acquire our goods or our services? I think that's, that's you know, we can't just assume that what, how, what we started on is going to be present. So and many companies pivots. don't know how to unwind that. Right. That's exactly right. And it, it, they're very attached, right? So, I mean, you work with startups all the time, right? This mm -hmm. is, it's almost asking every company to reimagine themselves in startup mm -hmm. mode, right? Right. right? And let's go back into prototype and test some new mm -hmm. things right. and challenge our existing assumptions, right? Mm -hmm. That's, that's what has to happen. I think um, mm -hmm. that's hard when you've got a lot of processes and systems in place that you've built and invested right. a lot of time in, but they may not hold up. Right. Um, so it's, you know, examine your, your organization and reimagine yourself in a startup mode. And I think that that's very hard, takes a lot of discipline, but is absolutely necessary. You, I actually find that is kind of, I don't, I don't want to say refreshing, but I know at the tech council, we're going to be imploding lots of stuff. Yeah. We're going to have to, and I'm actually really excited about that. I think it's an opportunity for us to find new ways to be relevant, to provide better yeah. resources to our members. And like, I'm kind of like itching to get in that startup mode again a little bit. So I'm trying to take that positive slant and I'm not going to try to hold on to any of the past as much as I can and be like, no, what can we do that we have now to rocket ourselves forward and help our members? Yeah. And I, I think it's a really exciting time of opportunity. And if you don't do it, you're going to miss the opportunity, right? So so it's tough and it takes a lot of fortitude as a leader um, to to be able to really examine everything with a very rigorous and sort of almost brutal discipline, right? Yes. But then where are the opportunities that emerge out of that given where we're headed? So Audrey's dog was agreeing with us just a minute ago. I know. It's great. There she is. And she's bringing her up on screen right now. Hey, <laughs> if baby. only the world could see Audrey's dog right now. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah, had a lot to say about what you were saying, so I apologize. That's you know, all right. It's <laughs> I think you hit on something that is affecting everyone. Us yeah. Is that we're, we're a startup again. That's we're right. We're a startup again. And yeah, if you and, don't and have that kind of resiliency, it's really, really hard. It's really, really hard. So you have to create a safe place for people. I, I think that's right. I heard, uh, I heard a, um, a colleague today uh, say it this way. He said, we can't preserve anymore. We have to protect what's core to our organization and what right. we care about. But if we go into preservation mode, where all we're doing is saying we're going to be, you know, if we're headed into an ice age, now we got to, you know, we're, we're an iceberg off to the side. We're, not, we're making boots and gloves now. <laughs> uh, yeah. And it's just not going to work. And, and I think, Audrey, you know, it leads into the next shift, which, which I'm describing as the shift from employee engagement um, to employee well-being, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and employee engagement is, you know, with there are lots of, the, we could talk about that all day long. It's been around for as long as the Gallup organization has been measuring, you know, engagement at work. Um, but I think well-being is a deeper need. And uh, the, the 
the Mars Corporation did some research a number of years ago um, around what does it mean to have healthy Mm -hmm. uh, social cohesion in their, you know, in organizational life, what does well-being really look like? And the research was pretty robust. And they came back with three, three elements. Um, the most important being the one that you just mentioned, high trust, mm -hmm. right? There has to be a place of safety and trust for people to show up and bring their crazy ideas and try some things without fear of reprisal. Um, there needs to be a sense of cohesion. We're connected to one another and we're able to bring our best. We care about one another, right? So you this more than ever, not that in my world, you could never do this. I, I makes me crazy, but people are not a means to an end. They're an end unto themselves. So how do you create space for them to bring their best and participate? And then the final is that they're empowered, that they can take action together. So this is, you know, the agile methodology plays out for lots of organizations here. Build these small agile teams that can prototype stuff and, and try stuff and get them out there and empower them and don't critique them when it doesn't work because a lot of stuff's not going to work, right? But give them the opportunity to go and grow and, and try some things that will be where the innovation happens in your, your organization. Um, and then the last shift is, you know, out of this sort of problem-solving mindset, which we as leaders live and breathe in the problem-solving mode, right? Um, and when I think of problem-solving, I think of math problems. You know, either they're small math problems or they're big math problems. I was, I barely made it through college calculus, right? But, you know, that, those are complicated problems and they have, but they have answers. When you're navigating in the complexity space, so moving from problem solving to sorting and synthesizing complexity, complexity requires a whole different posture. And it starts with curiosity, right? So what do I need to learn? What do I need to pay attention to? Where are the new patterns emerging? And then I can begin to make sense out of them and make decisions about what I need to do. I don't know about you, but I'm very good at categorizing and analyzing information and deciding what to do about it, right? I move that way 90% of the time. That will not solve a complex problem, mm -hmm. right? Complexity requires me to listen and to learn and to really pay attention differently. So I, you know, this is the space where I've been uh, doing some deep dive work over the last couple of years to understand how to help leaders move into this space more effectively even though it challenges a lot of their existing norms and behaviors and patterns of wanting to lead. So I think, you know, what we're talking about here is some intervention in all, like all kinds of organizational systems that I think leaders have to be prepared to undertake um, and should already be undertaking even like we can't wait, right? The future is now. And I think we have to have a long-term horizon about this. I think it's, um, you know, 2020s all in some ways is done. Like we, it isn't, but we know. It's got a fork in it. <laughs> it's got a, yeah, big time, right? So what does this look like for 2021 and 2022? Yeah. I think we have to look at that horizon and then begin to navigate our way, um, you know, one step at a time towards it. So that's, you know, those are some of the things I'm seeing and learning. We don't want to rubber band back to pre-pandemic norms. I don't think they're going to help us. So if people are listening, do you have a website? Yeah. I do. I do. Um, the name of my company is uh, Tamim Partners, T-A-M-I-M, partners.com. Uh, Tamim is a Hebrew word. Audrey, I know you'll love that for, for wholeness or integrity. So it has a lot cool. to do with, with how I bring people together and, and work with leaders who are uh, struggling in some ways, working through transitions. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that's where you can find me, TamimPartners.com. 
great stuff like all the way around you're making me feel so much better right now lisa i feel like i'm being oh, good some information that's why i'm really happy like that you- our listeners can get a little hunk of this you know what i'm saying yeah well i feel like i try to do that in my organization by trying to take a lot of experiments you know and try to make yeah. pe- you know people feel safe but you know what i'm not no one's perfect and just hearing you state that always helps me with the reset yeah so i really appreciate that Well, and I think, you know, as an organizational leader, you know this, Audrey, you're right in the thick of it, right? Um, And it's sometimes hard to get perspective. And that's part of what, you know, what I do with leaders that I work with. I am an advisor, you know, a a counselor of sorts. Um, Some one client has called me his butt kicker. You know, he calls me (laughs) when he needs a butt kicking. He didn't say it quite that way, but that's the the better language to use. Um, because you need someone who's who's telling you the truth, and, and sometimes you don't get it. So, um, so I I that I play that role in the lives of lots of leaders that I've come alongside over quite a number of years now, and uh, and it's never more needed than it is today. I think I agree. I can say I think your expertise is going to go a long way towards helping all of us manage the new normal as we get out of this and 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 start reinventing ourselves that's what it's going to come down to can't thank you enough lisa for taking the time out of your day to be part of this show tonight really great stuff my pleasure thank you both thank you audrey i'm like i'm I'm, like i I feel somber but i feel pumped at the same time i don't know like i just i feel like yeah it's going to be tough but if we take some lisa's advice here we can we can manage through it right absolutely it's about about experimentation with with some faith in your people and giving people the tools that they need to feel safe enough to, to make that leap All the way and know around. that everyone's going to fail. Exactly. It's going to happen. So anyhow, we're all out of time. Another tech vibe under the belt. So we love doing this show, trying to bring this awesome information to our listeners all over the place. Hey, this has been Jonathan Kirsting. And this is Audrey Russo. You can learn more about the Pittsburgh tech council by going to pghtech.org. Once again, go to tomandpartners.com as well too, to learn more about Lisa and her great services. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.